Hello and welcome to the tantalizing, the adventurous comedian's paradise where we speak to scintillating, magnificent and tremendous individuals across the comedy world. Now to th today's guest is a wondrous character comedian. He plays the dynamic, the Romeo of the comedy world, Marcel Leconte. He, Marcel Leconte, the comedian that could seduce a carrot. And we have the, the man behind it. He goes by many names, but he has the coolest name of them all, Alexis. And he has a surname, which is, is that French, might I say? Do you, it's a weird sort of a dubus, or in French they would say dubus, or I've been called many different permutations of that, and I really don't mind. <laughs> it, it, his name is Alexis Dubus, and go. he is a man that is stylish and charming as both characters, as himself and as Marcel Leconte. When he's Alexis, he is a poet. When he's Marcel Leconte, he is a man that, that can seduce the whole world. Please welcome Alexis Dubas. <laughs> wow, that is that is quite an intro. I mean, I feel like you're um, you you felt the need to go, you know, that level of superlative for Marcel. Um, really, you know, he's not here today. It's fine. <laughs> but I'll take <laughs> it. And also, he went for Romeo. I think Marcel's more of a Tybalt sort of character. He's more of a petulant sort of. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he's the romantic lead, but he probably thinks he is. Yeah, let's go with that. Is he is he the bad boy lead? Is he is he like the is he like uh, Tony Soprano that gets <laughs> a lot of stuff but is evil? Well, I don't think he's evil. I think he's just ambivalent. I think he's kind of he's he's very um, narcissistic. He's very um, what's the word? I suppose uh, solipsistic. If you're going with a philosoph philosophical term, he just he, nothing exists outside him. You know, so um, I mean, I, I've started doing kids shows in the last few years. And and um, what I've realized with Marcel is that because it was sort of done as a dare when I started those comedy club for kids, I used to do as me. And someone just went, oh, go on, do it as Marcel, I dare you. And uh, oh, well, I can't I can't do that. That's no, that'll never work. But you realize when you strip away or you take away any sexual references, any bad language, any dark adult material. And it's just a sort of cartoon villain really he's just a bit of a you know it's the the attitude remains and that's 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 always been the sort of core of marcel and that's 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 what he is really he's just a, he is he's sort of a baddie but not well not really he's just like yeah out for himself do, do, do people the kids take the piss because i know that i spoke to the guy that runs comedy club for kids and he said teared and judy he said he's had some amazing heckles like kids saying, why is that your face? Or if I was ruler of the world, I would invade Finland. And he goes, why? <laughs> and he goes, my brother's called Finn and I hate him. Have you had any strange heckles like that as Marcel Leconte? That's tremendous. Um, not really, because I sort of, when I go, when I do a kid show as Marcel, I will just sort of, I'll go in and um, quite often I'll open just by by doing the first minute entirely in French just to look at their little confused faces. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I did one in New Zealand where I sort of, I did that. And then I, I sort of, I tapped the mic always and go, oh, qu'est-ce qui se passe? He's an idiot. And just like, and they're all, they're most, sometimes they're just a bit shocked and confused. Sometimes they go, just like, no, English. Yeah, one of them shouted, I don't like your language. <laughs> um, but in the New Zealand one, I stopped and went, oh, we have to do it in English. And I heard a little voice at the back go, <laughs> and they'd like they finally found someone who was like speaking their language and it was just a it was just a facade <laughs> it was quite sad did it make you break character when they did that <laughs> no i very rarely i've never broken character on stage well I've, I've done it at like a couple of experimental nights uh or for that um uh comedian to comedian podcast the live live recording just to just for fun um i've sort of i've nearly been broken a couple of times but more just sort of just laughed at having to turn away and just giggle to myself, which obviously is not a very Marcel trait. It was, I was doing a chat show last year in Edinburgh and uh, I had, who was on it? It was Mark Thomas, uh, Angelos Epithemia and Tom Stade. 
It was a lovely little, it was a lovely mix. And uh, Angelos was the last one to come on and been having some lovely chats with Mark and Tom. And then Angelos shuffles on with his bag, Dan Skinner comes on. And, and he, I mean, he will never fail to make me laugh anyway, but I think he'd set out with a mission. Our little ruse was that it was going to be like, why would Marcel have Angelos on the chat show? And he goes, how about we do it as like, he knew Angelos from the, from the poetry scene in Montmartre. <laughs> I was like, absolutely. Yeah, the Parisian poetry scene. That's how they met. So he comes on and he's and he's sort of he's written a couple of poems for Marcel, which were great, but I I didn't quite break character nearly. I think he could see it in my eye, I could see the weakness coming in. That was a stupid little bit, which is a mind-reading bit where he ends up with a big face mask on, got me up to do it, nearly went on that. And then we sit down. I thought, I thought I've got through, you know, the worst part of it. And I just went, so what else have you been up to lately? And he, and he just goes, oh, well, there was a time I was the lead singer of Coldplay for a few weeks, and I just lost it. That just got me. He goes, and he goes yeah, it's rubbish. I did, did, didn't know any of the songs. And I, that, I was just, I had to turn away from the crowd. I was just in tears. It was, it got me. It got me. <laughs> There's a few people that can do that. And there was, yeah, there have been a few incidents where I've, I've just had to turn away and just have a little... Laugh and a cry. I've 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 played Zora and I've I've I find I've I break character maybe more often than I should, but it's <laughs> all right. It's how do, how do you maintain the character even in I mean you mentioned before you almost broke, but how do you do you do the Philip Golia fixed points and go move slowly or there's, I see it as acting. So, so I, I basically see it as playing a role. So, um, before I was doing stand up, I was doing little bits of acting here and there. And I, I, I sort of, I suppose, I maintained that uh, professionalism as an actor that you have to, obviously, with Marcel, I break the fourth wall all the time. So, there is that. But I kind of, but in terms of what I'm doing on the stage, I see it as playing a role. And the most important thing while on that stage, is to give is to give people that is to play that role. Is there's a common thing that I hear from a lot of comics that it's when you MC as a character or when you do crowd work as a character, it's they they often say even with character acts like Howard Smith, he doesn't MC as as the Yorkshireman, he always does it as himself. Do you sometimes MC as Marcel Lecon? That, that's how I started. I was I was um, I ran an experimental night in London Bridge with uh, with an old friend of mine, Cy Thomas, and we we started doing. Uh, it was just straight stand up, and then every other week we started doing uh, anything but straight stand up. So it could be characters or musical or weird stuff, mostly weird stuff. And uh, I so I started hosting as this guy that was Marcel was was supposedly the antithesis of a of a good compare. It was it was someone who was just like low energy, didn't care who, who was on next. Um, so I didn't really have any material as Marcel. It was just the attitude. So that was very much where it started, me playing that role and just seeing if it worked. And people really went for it. I mean, it was a very comedy literate audience, but they really, really went for it. So for, you know, every week, every other week, I'd, I'd just be hosting as Marcel and I'd just build up material like that. So I never originally had any material. It was just an MC. So yeah, that's that's how it began. Yeah. I I find it very difficult to host. I've tried to host a Zora. But it, it creates a very strange atmosphere every time he's on stage. I don't know. It just it, there's a strangeness that comes on. Like I go, "Hello, hello, senorita, what are you doing? You look good." And it hurts my voice like hell as well. So I try to be cautious well, of it. I think with me, it was it was a very different thing at the club because people already knew me and trusted me. I suppose as an MC. So they're like, oh, he's doing something different. And it happened to work, you know, I suppose they'd have let me know if it was if it was just awful. But um, the interesting thing was taking it out of the of the club and that people, more people than I expected, thought it was real. So they thought I was a real Frenchman. And which is insane, because looking back at some old clips, uh, I found some old clips in lockdown, old the, the DVDs. Um, of uh, of Marcel recorded from various clubs and the accent was dire. It was really, it was sort of allo, sub allo, allo standard French. It was, it was terrible. I was like, how the hell did they not realise that? Because I would walk off and people, if people came up to me and like, oh, we, oh thanks, we enjoyed that. I, I would drop character instantly and go, oh, great, cheers. And, and they go, 
<laughs> yeah so it surprised me but people did believe so maybe that was the, there was the element of that that actually people thought he was a real frenchman and you know doing it and and went oh well of course he's of course he's that okay of course he's that rude to us he's, he's french uh, yeah but it's an interesting thing because i've not seen many character acts mc i mean i hear a, i've seen a bonjo do quite well with it but then i've seen oh, right. others do quite badly of it and i've struggled with it as well i mean when he's when Zoro's on his own just performing without being the host, he does okay. But when he hosts, he creates a, a very, it's very difficult for any actor to follow it. And it's it's just, yeah, I think it's because it's a superhero and people know it's fake. So that probably plays a part in it. Yeah, that's 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 a big problem with, with sort of uh, emceeing as a character act is that you then create a world that people are, are, are very much in. And it's because uh, I, I do, I do a... Um, uh, a, a regular uh, 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 cabaret night, a monthly cabaret night in Soho, and it's uh, it's been yeah an interesting thing. Like how I introduce the act, I have to do it in a certain way for certain acts to to sort of stay in character, but to get the audience more into their world of what they're about to do, rather than this, you know. Uh, sort of yeah blasé Frenchman because it does set a certain whatever character you're doing that's the whole point of it is it's meant to sort of draw you in and and, and take you somewhere else so then as an MC you also have to bear in mind that your sole job as MC is it's 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 kind of even with as, as narcissistic a character as Marcel it's not about you as the MC it's just bridging that gap between the stage and the audience and making it the most comfortable night that it can be yeah, you're you're like a masseuse, effectively. Maybe I should yeah. use that word. Yeah, verbal but... masseuse. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tenderizing, tenderizing the audience. Like a chicken before you put the stuff on it, and then yeah, you, this you... is a wonderful mixed bag of analogies. But yeah, all of that, all <laughs> of that. And so you've like you've done a lot of things. You you did stand up for quite a while before you came Marcel Leconte. But what was it that led you to becoming a stand up originally? And what was it that led to you in the famous and infamous Goliath clown school? Well, if we go back all, all the way, if we go sort of right back to the start, I was doing sketch stuff before I was doing stand up. So I was in a uh, I was in a sketch group at university and we went to we did our first Edinburgh Fringe in 1999. And it sort of got quite a lot of traction, more, more than we thought. And uh, basically all of us just sort of went our separate ways as, as sketch groups quite often do, you know, everyone has their conflicting ideas or whatever, or they want to go off and do their own thing. And that's what happened. Most of us are still working in, in comedy actually, which is, which is kind of cool. And yeah, there was that. And then me and Tom Price, who was, who was in that sketch group, we sort of went, oh, should we give it a go? And we both, both gave each other a bit of a kick up the ass to, uh, to do that while we were at uni, there was a, uh, the Daily Telegraph Open Mic Award was, was uh -huh. used to do. It's just a sort of so you think you're funny style competition that they used to do around the country, and you got to go on with um, uh, some of the Avalon acts or some of the acts that were doing that that circuit around around the, uh, around the land and touring the universities. And I was on with uh, Carl Theobald and Simon Evans, sandwiched in between, just doing like a, a, a little terrified open spot, doing his thing. Um, I didn't make it through, but it was like it was an interesting taste all my mates were in the crowd it was kind of a fairly supportive um environment but um what made me want to get into it i i guess i always loved comedy i never used to watch like a large amount of stand-up i'd always watch more sketch stuff um uh or just sort of you know tv sitcoms um big monty python fan uh big fan of big train when that was out and that kind of thing and all the all the and chris morris was a huge influence she used to love the sort of subversion that he that, that he that he would create and from comedy and um i yeah stand-up was just sort of sketch was great and that was my first sort of foray into it but i loved the freedom of stand-up you go i'm, I'm just gonna write something and perform it like on stage tonight i'm gonna I, I loved the the freedom that it gave you and i loved that uh, um yeah you you could sort of do anything you want with it like my, my stand-up was still it wasn't it was fairly weird stuff like the first first thing i opened with and in that 
that gig was just me standing on stage with sooty on my hand, like a little puppet on my hand, staring at him for an uncomfortable length of time and then snapping out of it and going, oh, I'm sorry, it's a, I was always told it's the quiet ones you've got to watch. And that was it. And that, was, that was my first gag. It was a stupid visual gag. But from, right from that, from the start, I didn't want to do sort of anything like, uh, I, you know, I didn't want to come on and do fairly conventional stand up. I wanted to do stuff that made people feel a bit awkward. So, yeah, playing with that sort of tension, interestingly, that's what I really like to do now as Marcel. And that was there in my first ever stand-up set. Has, has that become more a part of, like, Marcel's, like... Because you, do you, do, you, do you see developing jokes for Marcel a bit like you're writing a script rather than a joke, as you say? Like you're writing a, like writing a sh theatre show each time he's on? Uh, it depends on it depends on the show that I'm doing really because um, I've done a few sort of different ones as Marcel I've done I've done the ones that I suppose are a bit more theatrical in that case yeah I do sort of see him as, as having a script there was the one that I did with the um, uh, with a live band which was all like the, the interplay between the um, uh, Marcel and the band some of it was improvised with the band and some of it was written in there like as, as a narrative um, but I mean, the early Marcel shows were more just sort of cobbled together. Just I, the, the first one was obviously just sort of all the stuff that I'd done on the circuit, just sort of all cobbled together. and was a bit of a mishmash of a show. And then there was that terrifying bit. And the second one was like, oh, God, I've got to start from scratch again. I've got to do an hour's worth of stuff from scratch. And um, that one, I suppose that was more cohesive. But I, I still just did it. It was still little bits that I would then go, that I would practice out on the circuit. Um, I'm not great at sitting down and writing stuff. I'm 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 better at doing it on the fly, by which I mean sort of trying it out on stage or or uh, like little concepts or writing it while I should be doing something else <laughs> or while I'm on the way to somewhere. Or I'm not a good sit down right i'm basically like everyone else recent adhd diagnosis and it's like right there you go yeah of course obviously so uh you know i'm not it's i get antsy if i sit down and try and write stuff i have to be doing it on the go mm. it's and it's is that is that would you say as philip Gurley finding the, having a good impulse as he mentions in the school doesn't he like fight and is, is that well, Gaulio, Gaulio was really interesting because I, I I did that in 2015 when I've been doing Marcel for a long, long, long time and I've been doing stand-up for an even longer, longer, longer time. And I um, I didn't mention to him that that's what I did. I mean, he had he never asked. He had no interest. <laughs> I, I sort of, I didn't, someone actually asked him the question, um, uh, what do you think about, because it, it occasionally like do a little Q&A session as a, 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 to take the edge off, I suppose, like at the end of it all. And that was my favourite bit. He'd tell us some brilliant stories about his, you know, past endeavours and uh, time with Lecoq and, and mad shows that he's all over Eastern Europe and that sort of thing. But occasionally he'd like take questions and then someone said, what do you think of stand-up? And, and he, his face turned, his face just like wrinkled up and he went, ah, no, 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 not, no interest in him at all. He goes, it's like um, uh, they're getting the audience to vomit out laughter which I loved as, a, as an analogy. It's like, and I see what he means. Like, I, you know, I mean, Christ knows the last time he'd have watched stand up. I don't know who he'd have actually seen to make that comparison, but it is, it's like you are pulling levers really as a stand up, but certain stand ups, you know, you're, you're, you know, what's going to work. You go, boom, thanks a lot. That's my laugh. There you go. Um, I think the difference with stand up and clowning is that stand ups are trying to seek uh, safety a lot of the time. Uh, they're, they're trying to go there's my safe safe space there that's the that's that I can I, you know and trying to control the audience with what they do and I think clowns are trying to find danger clowns are, are out there trying to seek the um the the the, the lesser trodden paths where there may be monsters uh, you know there may uh, a danger may lie this way but that's the path that they 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 go down and obviously you know like a whole part of his philosophy as a clown is to get yourself in the shit is to dig yourself out find the flop find the find the point where you're having a horrible time of it and you have to dig yourself out and that's the whole that's the that's the essence of his uh clowning philosophy and did, 
did that shape, did it change the way you did comedy after you went to that school? Or did it, do you use well, any of the energies like fixed point or like um, rhythm and... Fixed point, yeah, fixed point's a good one because I sort of, it's a very obvious thing, the whole fixed point of, of that focus, you know, while you're on the stage. I mean, that element of it, the leisure part over the clowning stuff, I, I found a lot more beneficial. The clown, I, the bit, I, I wasn't a very good clown. I think probably because in my mind, I was trying not to be Marcel or not to do something that I'd already done before. And, I, and it's, and, you know, and also being sort of fairly confident in myself that I'd found the successful clown in me um and marcel sort of is a clown in a, in a way um more than people might think he is uh and leisure was without all the sort of theater practitionery bits with uh, with fixed point and with you know uh the, all the group exercises yeah that i learned a lot from that and, the, and and i sort of realized that i'd uh fixed point was something that really helped me with marcel to come out on stage and just be absolutely focused on that fixed point from the start you know if i'm going to be a superior character i can't be there just looking at the floor shuffling on or whatever even as a nonchalant frenchman just to come out and to stare at, at that that distant stare into that distant point really like as as, a, as an intro is makes all the difference so there, there were people who saw me just before i went to gaulier and then saw me just after i come back who said oh yeah you you're you're a more focused you were more focused on that stage. It was it had a had a different sort of gravitas to it. So I think, yeah, it did. I don't think I personally sort of tried to change. I was like, oh, I've got to change what I do here. I think there were just little tweaks. It was it was it was just a little, it was it was a nice um refresher course, I suppose, for me, in a way, of of how I do certain things on stage. Did you do the full year or did you do like certain modules? God no. I did a I did I did a month. I did an intense month over summer and that was it. You know, I, I, I can see why people go back and do a year, two years, three years, but you know, as I say, I've sort of, I, I was a bit older. I kind of, I'd, I, I got a lot of experience behind me and I, I, I know I could have learned a lot of stuff from doing those three years, but it probably would have molded me into something else. And what would be the point of that when I've already found the thing that is, successful like Marcel was always an experiment I was like well I don't know how this is going to work and it's turned out to be my main breadwinning uh yeah it was, it was a result <laughs> it, 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 did you uh go to the school if you don't mind me asking did I what sorry who who did you studied with that it was like oh who did I study with in the school oh it was a it was a really good year actually uh Josh Glantz uh, was the person that I think I bonded with the most, uh, just because we we had we 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 have a very similar uh, silly look at life, I think, and uh, I like, like like what Josh is doing now. I absolutely love. He's 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 just he was always good, but then he's just he he's I think he's superb. I think he's one one of the one of the best clowns that is out there at the moment. So it's Josh. Uh, there was Ben, who now goes by the name of Gingerzilla, who is uh, do you know Gingerzilla? No, he's just uh, well. Uh, Jin Zilla is now out, I believe, taking Hollywood by storm and out doing, uh, I think, went and did America's Got Talent and stuff like oh. that. God, how tall, like six foot five, <laughs> maybe. This, this fantastic drag queen with a big ginger beard, and like, and that was that wasn't, you know, I think, I think Ben was fresh out of, um fairly fresh out of drama school so all the gingerzilla stuff was was still to come and like, it was it was him and a, and, a, and a mate who just sort of come out from from australia and he was so the, the, to him he was he was the eiffel tower to uh to gaulier because he's just this tall sort of <laughs> lanky presence but yeah it got on to do fantastic things with gingerzilla there's brit Plummer who was there with who do, who's doing some brilliant theatrical stuff uh all over the world um, and several others. It was just, it was a really, really good year. There's a lovely guy called Nelson as well, who'd, who'd, uh, who'd done it, I think, 10 or 12 years previously. Yeah. And so he'd come back to do it again as, a, as an, a, you know, a, a decade plus later, uh, which was fantastic, which was brilliant because he was sort of telling us, and he was this, just this lovely, uh, lovely Canadian guy who was just like a big bear of a man who was just a lovely chap and who was just, who loved 
every element of it. He loved every insult that he got given. He loved everything that he, every, every exercise that he got wrong. He, he just loved, he, he wasn't someone that sort of wanted to do it professionally. He just really loved the the practice of it. And uh, yeah, he was saying, it was really funny because he was saying, oh, oh God, yeah, like 10 years ago, uh, Gallia, he was, he was a lot more physical with you. He'd have like taken your arm behind your back and like, and gone, oh, that's wrong. You know, just like he was, he would manhandle you a lot more if he wanted to. So yeah, I think we got away lightly in a way. Yeah, yeah. He, he 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 does seem to have he does seem to have weakened a, like when I was there. He's he seems yeah he's he seemed exhausted last time I was there, which was about a year ago. Well, and he's not a young man, and he drinks a goldfish bowl of wine in between. <laughs> yes, sessions, yes. And he's uh, and he's done it. He he's done it fairly nonstop for years as well. He really does. Like you know, I mean. Uh, yeah, he's 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 it's funny. It's interesting when he sort of got up in the few times he would actually get up and do an exercise himself. You could just see that spark of I don't know. It's the same with you, but that spark of brilliance where he would do an exercise that we would all see deem as like an impossible task, and obviously it's his exercise. But he would get up and just be funny like that, and it was maybe we were laughing through fear. Who knows? But I but it, gen- it genuinely was like brilliant to watch, and you sort of could picture him as the as that 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 wild young man going out and smashing plates across Europe or whatever you know whatever he was doing it's a bit he, he is it's funny in some ways like is his harsh what what do you make of his harsh roasts i mean that as a comedian you get lots of harsh roasts from other acts or from like people on stage you probably get worse but what well, do you make of his roasts uh, most of the time i think he was uh, he was trying He's he's playing a game. He's, he's he's always playing a game. The whole thing is a game, and that's that's what I took from it. Is that you know, it's all a game. It's the game of like he said a really interesting thing that about um, uh, you know, acting. He said we we don't want to go and see a man who thinks he is Hamlet. We want to see a man playing the game of being Hamlet and enjoying that game. You know, that was really interesting to me, and that everything was a game. So I think he, when he was harsh to someone, a lot of the time, they wouldn't fight back when whereas we were all going go on give him some back that's what he wants or 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 just get get angry release your emotions that sort of thing you know there was there was there was a quite harsh moment where someone he really broke someone and they in the full clown regalia they lost the plot and they were probably stamping their foot and ranting at him and it was incredibly funny not even in a sort of laughing at them way it was just like it was it was fantastic to watch because they're dressed in something ridiculous and they're trying there's this stupid task that we've been made to do and she couldn't and she was just letting loose and it was super funny and he just went boom that's your thing you need to be angry you know and then obviously she sort of tried to recreate that another time afterwards and just could not quite get that get to that because it wasn't real you know it was the real anger was sadly what kind of made it funny um, and there were a couple of times where actually I felt it was just cruelty, where it was actually, I don't think he was trying to get something out of someone. I think that was him just being a bit jaded, had enough of this and just uh, they weren't getting the game again and again. And I think he just let let his own um, frustration on that out and was a bit of an arse, a bit of an arsehole to him. So most of the time, I think it was helpful, but there are a few times where I, I, I went, "Oh, that's that didn't feel that didn't feel good," and you could feel that tension in the room as well. Yeah, it's it, it, it does does get a bit tense. I mean, he says so many things that you wouldn't say outside of that school. I mean, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. But he's it's it's sort of part of the persona, isn't it? I mean, he's. There, there are still people who will travel from all of, all across the world to. I mean, what, what I love is that it's it's got this it's got the air of prestige about it, as if there's a selection process, whereas it's just like pay money, turn up, yeah. that's it. But there are people that sort of come from all over the planet to to to, to get his abuse and get his you know and come <laughs> back with. Oh, what did he call you? How did he describe you? Oh, was it balls flapping, sweaty balls flapping from a 17-story window? You know, absolutely like insane cusses that he would give you. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. I think sometimes he he just likes to get that rise and get a shock reaction from people. Poor, poor old Nelson again a couple of times, you know, just 
yeah, some of the things he'd said, he'd said and would just go, God, no. <laughs> just, I remember that, yeah. So, well, I'm not even going to say it, but yeah, it was a horrible thing that he said. And and yeah, he, he will say sort of slightly racist things. He will say slightly uh, uh, very sexist things. He will, you know, he's from a different era and, and you can't, you can't justify it, but you just go, you know, what are you going to do when you're here? He's just he's trying to get a rise out of us and he's, yeah, he's succeeded. What, what's, I mean, he's a, he's a big, he's famous for sort of like theatre and like crowning and also in, in comedy. I mean, he's, he's, he's had a big influence on a lot of, what goes on but what's your would you classify yourself i heard this from vigo he classifies himself as a comedian or something like a combination of both <laughs> what would you classify yourself as after uh, going uh, through that school well i wouldn't it... i don't know i sort of i don't really i don't like to classify myself because i always get like everything I've done uh, since I, I mean, when did I start? I suppose I started doing solo stuff around 2001. So it's over 20 years I've been doing it now. And I just, I, I never, I don't classify myself because I don't know what I want to do next. And I, and I don't have anything like a five-year plan or any, any plan at all. I just sort of, I've always gone with where my brain takes me. So that's been, you know what what i've i've always wanted to do something that interests me and i've always wanted to do stuff that i that i would want to watch and find interesting so whether that's been um you know the weird stand up that i started with the character of marcel it was a year that i sort of just did a whole whole show as a poem it was a 50 minute long poem um which which i've sort of weirdly was one of the most one of the easiest things i i, I wrote and one of the hardest ones to get in my head but it was, it just sort of flowed out of me doing that. That is, it was a show that I'd already done and didn't feel right. And I was like, oh, right, let's try this as entirely as a poem. And it was maybe because it was already written and the show itself was already written, who knows? But anyway, that, it felt absolutely natural to do it. And it's like, there we go. That's something I'd never have thought of doing before. Improvised shows and just sort of, there was one that I wrote. Um, it was a very short lived show but it was a show that i wrote when i was a dad for the first time and it was it was it was uh in the twilight hours it was a load of notes that i wrote in the in those early hours when i was uh uh useless as a dad like the, the, he, he didn't want me wanted mummy but i still had to stay up at night and you know just just check that everything was okay so i just had to be lying there twiddling my thumbs and my brain obviously was was overtired and and sort of and coming up with all sorts and it was based on a uh, an American beat poet that I got a bit obsessed with that someone had put me onto. And it was sort of trying to write in the style of that. And I ended up writing a whole show uh, kind of in that style that wasn't most, that was kind of funny, but not really. It was more just, just weird and, and, and quite interesting. And some people really, really reacted to it and uh, in a good way. <laughs> and like, and some, some, it's, I think for some people it's the, their favorite thing that I've ever done but it would never work in comedy club or, or, you know, in a lot of places. So I don't know. I don't really classify myself. Like sometimes I, I will want to be a, just a stand up. I still, I still think that one day I might write a straight stand up show, <laughs> which weird, weirdly would probably be the most subversive thing that I've done <laughs> to just do that. Just, a, just, a, just, you know, an hour of jokes, but I don't know. I, I Yeah. I am what people say. I'm like someone once the, the whole clowning thing started in a way when uh, I think it was Lady Rizzo, brilliant um, uh, cabaret performer from the states, she saw what I was doing and went and went, oh, you're a you're a I think it was a white clown. You're a white clown. I was like, Am I? It's like or silver? No, was it silver clown? Fuck, what was it? I can't remember what it was. Silver clown, maybe it was. Anyway, it was a certain type of clown. It's like, oh, that's what you did. I was like, oh, I didn't even know that's what I was doing. So, yeah, I don't. I just I perform. That's that's yeah. I hope that doesn't sound too pretentious, but I kind of, I, I don't know what I am. <laughs> you, yeah, you're an entertainer that makes people laugh. Yeah, but, but by doing things that I find interesting myself in the hope that other people do. Does being a character act have, uh, does it, do you get a bit of headway from, from even despite Marcel Lacan being quite high up in the circuit, 
do you still get a bit of pushback because we've commonly been going around a few years and certain, there's a lot of people that have their own views and co how comedy should be and being a character comic I do hear a lot of people having a bit of an aversion to it but um it's funny yeah there's a couple of clubs that I just stopped doing because they would never put me as a, they'd never have me as a headliner um like most most clubs now I will headline as, as Marcel because well you know I've, I've got a wealth of material I can I know I can do it and I it's he's sometimes quite a hard act to follow I think as well like I say setting that certain energy and superiority and there's a, yeah, a couple of clubs that just like I did them for years and they would never and I'd always be the opener and it's just like whereas I, I'd, I'd sort of progressed at every other club I think it was I think it probably was the character thing like it wasn't due to sort of having like a, a run of stinkers there or anything like that it was I think that's probably what it is mostly the circuit though is it's quite good I think people like having something a bit different on the bill if it's you know if it's a good comedy club then they will have a nice variety of stuff on there um but the the comedy industry is something that I've definitely felt pushed back on the, the only yeah the, like I, 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 the last bit of telly I did was 2015 and I've done nothing since then. And that was the John Bishop show on BBC one, which was uh, basically it was John Bishop that got me on it. And and which has been the case for most of these things. Russell Howard got me on the Russell, Russell Howard's good news. Dan Atkinson got me on live at the electric. And it's always been comics that have been, you know, and my agent to some extent, but, but sort of mostly comics fighting my corner to, to get me on these, these shows. Um, TV execs. I, I think don't want to book me at all. Like I was, I was due to do a live at the Apollo um, test uh, show in, a few years ago. And just uh, they, I, I'd got, I'd got the set together. I was really excited about it. I was like, right, this is going to be a killer set. And then uh, the week before, I think uh, my agent just got, uh, they, they, they just said, Oh, uh, we don't want character acts anymore. We're not having character acts on anymore. So don't, he doesn't need to turn up. Like, Whoa. That's pretty brutal. Isn't it? And uh, which is bollocks now as well. So it'd be interesting to see. I mean, who like Troy Hawks, I think I think just done it. So it'd be interesting to see if they if it was just me, it could have been, you know, who knows whether that was a genuine policy. But they seem it, they seem to have reneged on that policy now. So look, we'll see. I don't know. But yeah, there's been a few things like that where they've just there's been pushback because what I'm doing is a character, which is nuts, because I think. I think often they'll go, oh, it's character act. He won't have any jokes or he won't be able to improvise or whatever. Whereas, you know, I genuinely think that's, that's, that's not the case. There's a number of things that I've, that I've sort of done tests for as Marcel or that we've submitted Marcel for. And it's just been, it's you that either like, no, we don't think a character would work. Oh, it's too low energy. Uh, oh, but we'd, yeah, it's, yeah, there's always some excuse, but I think there's, yeah, it's a shame because I think the comedy circuit has been very good to me. Uh, the comedy industry, I think, is very averse to taking risks. And would you say it's the relationships you've built with people within the comedy circuit and <clears throat> the reputation you've built that has made you develop a good career from it rather than the industry itself? Yeah, uh, it's it's been a constant battle with the comedy in industry, to be honest, like um, ever ever since I've started. But comedy circuit has is, this, the comedy circuit is is mostly I think a meritocracy because they're not gonna you know you've got to be able to cut it live on that stage or you won't be asked back. But you know I mean it's, we all know how the the comedy industry works. It's run by two main big players and it's like and they'll just constantly putting that be putting their acts on rotation and every now and again. You know, someone is allowed through the gate and, uh, you know, it's like you, you see people. Why is, why is Paul Foot not got a long and varied TV career? Or there's a, there's there's so many people you can. I'm not, I'm not going to start naming names because the list will be too long. But, you know, there's yeah, it's 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 a real shame because I, I, I grew up watching really experimental and brilliant and interesting comedy on telly. And where is that now? There's just a, the, the, it's all very formulaic. It's very safe. You know, there's a few here and there. Taskmaster is sort of still flying the flag, I would say. In, 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 but that sort of, I suppose that in itself has become a bit of an institution. But you know, still has that that madcap energy to it. But there's not much, not much else really. I think is. I know. That, do you follow um, trigonometry and Constantine Kissing and 
Francis Foster. If, 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 if it result, results in a controversial conversation. I do not. I, that, it, no, boils my piss, as people would say. I cannot stand any of that stuff. The whole culture wars thing, I think, is is just... I think it's so detrimental to comedy. The whole you can't say anything anymore bullshit. I just think it's... You know, most of the people that say that will... I, I'd like to ask them when the last time they went to a comedy club was, <laughs> other than Comedy Unleashed. Ah, no, I do not. I don't listen to any of that. I, I I tried to, and it's just, it does my head in. It's it's just, oh, yeah, we, we, we you know, you look at the Alistair Beckett King thing with, with Comedy Unleashed, where he he went on and did a free speech set, which they have now censored and won't, will never release. They'll never release the footage of it. And it's like, yeah. So it's like, you, you we're up for free speech, as long as it's not about us, you know. <laughs> So all of that, it's so it's 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 just horrific. I just think it's it's so insulting to comedy, and it's I I, I think yeah, I think the culture war stuff can't fuck off soon enough, as far as I'm concerned. What what, what can I ask? What happened with Alistair Beckett King? I absolutely loved that guy. He's an amazing comic and a yeah. lot of fun to chat to. He's a, he's, he's brilliant. He's, he's oh, awesome. He's smart, the guy, yeah, guy. he's a smart cookie. He's very he's he's great. And he I don't exactly know what he did. I mean, he went on and he did a set that sort of. Um, I think essentially took the piss out of them a bit, <laughs> which is bold, you know, and it's, and by all accounts, like, you know, very split the room, um, but uh, they will, they will never release the footage. And you just oh. go, you cowards, you absolute cowards. How dare you parade this free speech ethos around and like someone, someone has a little dig at you and your skin is that thin that, so yeah, that's my opinion on that. But he said one thing that was interesting. I know that, but he said one thing of that with a lot of social comedians building so big social media profiles that A would uh, sort of go around certain things. Like Ali Woods, who's he's, he's built a social media following. He was able to get in TV recently and he was able to get an agent because of the social media following he got and because right. people are watching TV less and less. Is there going to be a point where things get low and low on TV and then you get people with big followings and like, right, we have to book, we have to book you on to get some numbers up. Um, I don't, I think what people have found in that sense is that it doesn't actually translate. Um, social media following uh, does not equate to um, TV uh, figures. I mean, TV figures, figures are pretty horrendous right now. And I don't think that's the way I think the, the thing to do is put something interesting on, put something genuinely. What they're so. I remember when I was doing my. I, I did a pilot for the BBC as as Marcel about ten years ago now almost, and it's so interesting because even back then it was it was a non broadcast pilot, but the talk. Uh, the sort of the feedback that came back from the commissioners and and uh, quite a lot of the time was was oh but will people you know how will that play out on social media will people know what you're talking about here will people you know the, the title of it was 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 mailed in britain right and they sort of went oh but what if people don't there's french in the title what if people can't speak french so we'll probably look it up you know we've got the internet <laughs> or who doesn't know mailed you know who hasn't been on a french station no, it's just stuff like that but then also just you know things like oh but uh you know, people won't get that and they'll talk about it and they'll bad mouth it on social media and that sort of thing. And it's just like, well, who gives a fuck? Uh, but they do, you know, and it's, it, I suppose it is, you know, it is a big factor, but people are more likely to like angry, stupid people are more likely to get online and bad mouth something that they don't understand or don't like than people, you know, giving it a glowing report and talking about it. Not always, but I think that people are more, prone to, to, to be negative and the, and I just think you've got to put that what what got me was was the contempt with which they viewed the the general populace and look maybe there's something in that but I I think you should write comedy for to to better people and to get and to make to to spark people's imagination and to spark people's intellect and you know, and if people don't get something, I used to love coming back, uh, you know, as, uh, as, a, as, a, as an 18 year old coming back from the pub and just switching on the telly and something weird would be on on Channel 4 and you go, I, I don't know what, I, this is, 
I don't know why this is good and I don't get all of this, but I want to. And I sort of, you know, and even as a, as a kid, like watching Blackadder and watching Two Ronnies and, and watching all the, all the sort of stuff in the 80s and 90s, the stuff that will often go over my head. And if I, I sometimes, you know, my parents would explain it to me or sometimes we chat about it in school and go, oh, that's what that gag was about, whatever. And it was great because you felt you were genuinely sort of building a, a, a cultural template in your head of these things and, and, and you know, adding interesting knowledge to your brain. And I just think, yeah, that's 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 kind of we, we've we don't think of comedy in terms of that anymore like my my problem with a lot of stuff stuff on social media on tiktok especially is it's very dumbed down it's it's without sounding snobby about it a lot of it's comedy for people that don't watch comedy and it's simple stuff and it's like and it's and you see a few of these tiktok comedians who get up on the stage and it is like they may have millions of followers but a lot of it is so generic and oh. tired and so and just like it doesn't cut it on the stage like people to see people shrugging go, huh, yeah all right yeah that's, that is like that isn't it oh yeah it's, it's essentially going back to like oh aren't men and women different oh cats and dogs eh oh airplane food you know it's, it's going it's taking us back to that i don't think it's always um that's not a swipe at ali woods in any way but it's the but you know there are there are some comedians who are brilliant on tiktok and who are then um you know, brilliant uh, uh, on stage as well because they've they've what you can tell on the TikTok uh, vi- uh, videos they've watched a lot of comedy, and they're genuinely doing something a bit different. They're not doing the first thing they think of. They're not doing that route A comedy. They're a bit smarter and they've and they're a bit more a bit more subversive with it. Yeah, for the ones that have the chops to do it and a bit of following, it's it's great for them and they're able to bring the TVs and certain clubs to them. Yeah, like I remember uh, Daniel Fox is quite an interesting song because I, I think I, I think I saw him for the first time, knowing of him as a, a, a as, as a, a someone who got got big doing TikTok, and uh, I was like, oh, how's this going to play out? I was like, oh, good. I'm genuinely impressed by how good you are as a as, as a stand up. You could really cut it live, and I was like, oh, good. I'm glad that there is that 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 crossover still a little bit. Yeah, it's it's it would be interesting to see. What do you think the future of comedy is going to be? Because I know that James Alderson did a little post recently that traditional forms of marketing are getting more people in than perhaps social media for comedy clubs. But yeah. then on the oh, yeah, flip but... side, mm-hmm. I've got a, I interviewed a comedy club promoter in India and he says that he gets a lot of his stuff from Instagram and he gets like a trained social media person to work with him. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, it, it doesn't interest me to. I make a little bit of money off 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 TikTok posts, not not a huge amount, but it doesn't interest. That's mostly well, it's, it's entirely live clips, little clips cut from from live performances that I posted. I don't really have much interest in sort of that as a career and trying to make. It's just the, as I say. The, the, it takes the edge off and the, and you have to just the, the amount of content that you have to put out you can't you can't have that level of 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 you know of product as they call it without it being eroded a little bit and without it just turning a bit generic and 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 samey i suppose but what i think i think the future of comedy i don't think touch wood that the comedy circuit is in danger i think there's i think people will always want to go out and have that incredible feeling of going out with mates barely laughing at just not only the comedian but but something weird that's happened in the crowd like so an interaction with an odd audience member uh, a thing that's thrown the comic and has got them to sort of do something out of their comfort zone or kind of you know just it's such a it's such a lovely feeling and it's and it's it's always been lovely bringing people to say oh i'm playing in your town and, and getting people out to their local comedy club old mates of mine who've gone oh god i didn't even know this existed oh god i'll be coming every week now and just like i'm being sort of properly switched on to comedy to how good live comedy can be and it's 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 really lovely i don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon um it's what what's interesting is is that how tv even though the ratings are down there is still that necessity to have a tv name on the bill 
maybe not every time, but but in, enough times to keep a, a comedy club going. You know, it's 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 sad to hear when you hear of comedy clubs who put on fantastic bills month week after week, month after month, however regularly they run. Um, and yet there'll be there'll still be like a ton of people who will only come if it's someone that they've seen on the telly. And it's like, but you know we're putting on good bills. Surely you'd rather see someone that you've never seen before and go, wow, that's my new favourite comic, surely. But then, you know, that's from a comedian point of view. Not, you, you soon realise as a, com a comedian that, that the general public do not think like comedians. Well, that's a thing that I've heard from promoters like Mike, uh, Spiky Mike and like an Indian promoter that I interviewed. And he said, the one guy that in India said a lot of comedy clubs are making a huge loss because they're booking big, depending on the names to get the audience in. He was able to make a gross profit, like he runs six or seven comedy nights a week in Bangalore. And he says because he built it based on the name of the comedy club. And then when he got the big names on top of that, it went over the roof. But it's yeah. because he built it based on the name of the comedy club rather than the name of the people you had on. So he built up, you, you mean, so it was the comedy club, as as in to suggest that it was the only comedy club. Is that what you mean? No, he, he built it through a very, very good comedy shows and building a trusted relationship right. with the fans first. Right. And then he started bringing big people in. Well, that's what, that's what, that's what happened to us in the early days of, um, it was called Falling Down With Laughter, the club that we ran in, in London Bridge, um, where Marcel started. And we just built up a rep, really, of getting of, of getting a good audience. I mean, it was a tiny room. We probably fit 70 people in at an absolute push. And, you know, it was a basement underneath the Backpackers Hostel. And we just started running really good shows uh, that people came to see. They probably didn't. They, they might have heard of one of the acts every every couple of months. Who knows? Maybe they didn't. You know, but they were just good folks that we knew from the circuit who were really good. And then we just started asking. And then we just like well let's let's see and i just contacted Stuart lee and just said because we'd done a gig together sort of fairly recently and it was just like well do you want, do you want to come play this little this little room this was maybe what 2003 i guess 2004 and he went yeah all right i'm trying out some stuff for a tour and, I, and, and we got Stuart lee down and so all my mates you know from school sort of came down to that i can't believe you got Stuart lee down like, how the fuck you get Stuart lee? and we, we just asked and after that you know that i think that was the we just got a reputation of, of being a good club for comics to try stuff down. So we had like Jack D come and try and stuff down for telly. We had Michael McIntyre. We had like uh, Sean Locke trying out as the tour show and stuff. And and and, and promoters would and um, agents would start just coming to us, going, "Do you want this guy? Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> yeah, you know." And and that was and so there is something in that I think of just getting you know there's there's a few sort of little clubs around the country that are like that that will get on uh you know the mystery acts that you always know is going to be genuinely sort of big name telly act and they just because there's always going to be a need for them and if you get a good rep as a club who've, who've built up a nice following then yeah you can you can do that i think yeah i think that's i think it's a rare thing but um that's the thing you just you, it's 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 a two-way thing like if you then put on an act who is having an off night or an act that that's that you've you've booked because they're a bit of a live wire or because they're a bit unpredictable and they do something that's just a bit off. You know, then as as happened to us a couple of times, we did we booked a couple of acts like where it just something didn't work and and it and you had to sort of rebuild it again. It's all it's that it's that two-way trust thing, but it's it's what makes it exciting, really. It is fun when something like that happens. When when you get something a comedian do something completely outrageous and then it getting such a weird response. I mean, what was what was what was a recent example you've you've encountered that where you someone's done something outrageous and it got taken completely the wrong way? Um. Well, you you want recently? I, I'm I'm just already thinking of like most gigs I did with Ian Cognito. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see him absolutely split that room. Um, let's see. I think I'm not going to name the name 
because I'm not that kind of guy. But it was a gig up in Yorkshire where there was a drunk woman and she had been a bit chatty throughout the night and um, the headline act basically just didn't deal with it as well as well as he could have done and it was and just sort of went in a bit too hard and it's an act that I think is interesting sort of watching acts who used to do a lot of jonglers gigs and I think they have this natural attack mode which they go into because they've had to (laughs) over the years and I think it came from that and it was she needed dealing with but not quite at the level and that he went in and there's and there's also there's there's that dynamic as well of of drunk woman and alpha male in charge with Mike slamming a woman. There's, there's, there's sort of, there's something that if not dealt with subtly and in the right way can really change the the vibe and sort of really sour a night. And I think that's kind of what happened because it was sort of all going well. And even though she was in the wrong, the way it was dealt with, it was just, it, the the comic had let him let her get to him too much, and he'd gone in with yeah the wrong the wrong vibe I think. And what did she do? <laughs> she got up and walked out, which you would think would sort of clear the air a bit, and it sort of did a bit. And there were some people applauded, and others sort of I don't know. It just it, it was the, the gig wasn't quite the same again for the rest of it, and even though she started it, yeah. It could have been handled better. Like I, I especially I, I think of this all the time as Marcel because it's it's you know he is playing that superiority card. He is also uh, some people don't get on board with that game. It is a game, you know. The the crowd has to be tuned in and go, oh okay, we know what you're doing. And it's not which is when they're really on it, it's lovely because they can fire stuff back, and I can be full on Marcel and deliver it back to them and they'll go great that's what we wanted but if 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 a crowd doesn't get what i'm doing and if it's and and if i get that sort of a, a heckler that's just i don't know a bit overexcited or just a bit that's not being particularly petulant it's an interesting line that i have to 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 tread path that i have to tread as as marcel to kind of still come out of it winning hmm. it's Okay. What's what's been one where you got it wrong? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good question. I think let's see, one where I've got it wrong. I mean there are there are ones where I think I've let my I've let me come out a little bit much. And I've let my frustration and annoyance come out. Like as Marcel, I can never uh, endear myself to an audience. I can't change tack and go, right, I'm going to make you like me now. I'm going to be more friendly towards you. I'm going to smile. I'm going to be more personable. I have to sort of double down (laughs) as Marcel. I have to kind of stamp my authority on it even more. And I think I will always like, even if it's a, a hostile crowd, I would hope that there's always some little island I can sail to. There'll be one little table of people who are enjoying, or even just one individual person. And I think what I need to do is sort of is deliver it to them and go, here we go. This is almost a personal gig for you. This is us against them, sort of thing, rather than what I've probably done before a couple of times and lose it with the whole room and you know, and just go in and insult the room or or do whatever, or, or do a kind of, you know, I don't need you kind of thing or, or whatever. It's, I, I think I think it's more fun to <laughs> take a prisoner with me. So I can't think of a, a specific example where that's happened, but there's there have been maybe sort of a few where, where that's been the case. Okay, so I had to, I can tell you a, a couple of funny stories that I've had. So there was an MC that was chatting to um, a guy and a girl and they were getting a bit touchy-feely and she was saying something okay. about you guys finger or whatever. And then the guy says, listen here, yo, if you say that to me, yeah, you're going to regret it. 
And then they, he was talking, they were talking throughout the whole show. And then some audience members said, um, will you guys shut up? And then the guy wanting to impress his girl says, what? You saying that to me, yeah? What? Let's go outside. I'm going to fight you, bruv. And then he went outside. And, but he said it as, so the guy, they were about to leave. And the guy said, shut up as he was leaving. And so I was trying to hold him back and trying to, and then he was shouting and then, they were disrupting the show for about five or ten minutes with the with a Sally Firth who was on. Uh, this was a few years back, and then we had to get the owners sorted out. But it, it got better. But it was a bit of a mad night in a way, and it always whenever something like that happens, as you said before, it always creates a weird atmosphere or yeah, someone. Yeah. People are like, what the fuck's this? Or I've had um, what's another thing that's happened to me? What's I had one act who, um, this was about a year ago, and he, I should have been aware of this, but he'd been, he does a lot of out-of-town gigs, but mm -hmm. I, I will not say his name, but I was, because that's not right, but he, um, he says that he lives in the area, but he, often, I'd say, in the London circuit, if someone's really good, you often hear about them, if you've been going for a while. You right, hear yeah, their name. Yeah. You know, you often hear their name. And he was someone that said he'd been going a while and the owner wanted to put him on, so I put him on. But he came out at the end and yeah, he was just disrespectful to the audience from the like started it wasn't that good a night either way, but it was one an if night, but he made it so much worse when he headlined and he started roasting the audience and then all he did was just shout for about five or ten minutes and then well, some of the audience there, I, I never turned back to that gig ever again because of that. But it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you need them. Tough, but we all have off nights, and we all let it get the better of us sometimes. And it's that, um, yeah, it's 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 easy said than done. But you've sometimes just got to take the hit, haven't you? And um, accept defeat, or just sort of, you know, do your thing and. Oh well, you didn't like that. Not you know. Sometimes every now and again you can blame the audience. I remember there was well, there was one time years ago. This was sort of pre Marcel actually, but this was, um, it was a New Year's Eve gig of all things, and there were it was just it was a an above the pub gig, you know, and it was just a weird atmosphere. Was these guys at the back that were just pissed and awful and. They were heckling, and they were just they 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 heckled a disabled act. They'd heckled heckled an Asian act in you know like a pretty yeah oh. in 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 offensive in bigoted and offensive ways and you're just like christ almighty and i came on and i was headlining and i and i sort of came on and did my thing i didn't mention it but i was quite angry about it because it's just like why are these guys going to get kicked out there were no bouncers in you know it was just a like i say above a pub you could see people quite pissed off with it but um i sort of i think i, I tried to do the set and then was was getting heckled and then I sort of I can't remember exactly what I said but I lost it and I, I said something like you can't you know oh really you, you haven't got me now are you? what 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 are you gonna you know what are you gonna say to, to me at least I'm a at least I'm a, a straight white guy like you know what are you gonna say to me and it's like you've already had a go at um uh disabled acting and Asian big men you know that sort of thing and just I let it get I, I it came out and the guy smashed a glass and like came up to me and tried to and it was and the, the you know he was <laughs> I had to get I had to get taken out the back and a fire exit and stuff like that so I suppose like do I regret it no not really but I mean I suppose you pick your battles don't you like maybe maybe, maybe not you know, having a go whose opinion you were never going to change, who's twice the size of you in a in a room that hasn't got any security in, <laughs> like big promoter. Fortunately, the promoter was a big guy and managed to like hold him off while someone else got me out the back of the room and I just scarpered to the to the station. But yeah, it's just that it's you know, ironically, the these are the sort of people you know the banter banter. What you can't take a joke. <laughs> You know that that would be their sort of uh, line, but uh, turns out they can't take it back. Yeah, that's 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 not right, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, you see, you see comedians that have got punched and you know bundled off stage and all that sort of thing. I've never, I've never had that, but that was a bit of a wake up call doing that one. I was like, oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> Even though you feel like the biggest man in the room up on that stage, it's like I'm really not. It's quite scrawny.
I, I am chatting to a comedian on Colin Higgins about how he got punched in Edinburgh. So I'm interested to hear about that. Bloody hell. All right. Jeez. Yeah, it happens. I've had to follow two fist fights in Edinburgh of, of uh, as Marcel. And weirdly, it has a sort of quite a calming effect. I, I turned up to the late show, I remember, and uh, Neil was just going, oh, man, there's, I don't know how this is going to go. Do you want to go on? And it's like, I'd just come from doing a really nice gig. I was on I was on cloud nine. I was like, yeah, yeah let's see what happens. Like, they're clearing them out of the room now, but there was like, it's a bit of an atmosphere. And I was like, well, okay, let's see what happens. And I came on as Marcel and it just had this lovely cleansing of the calmness of it. And the silences and the stillness was just what was needed to dissipate the fighty atmosphere as it turned out. And I had a lovely gig. So it was, yeah. But that's that was the second, and also that was the second time that had happened. I, t- I think I, there was a fight at Spank one night as well. I said someone had just like taken umbrage to, yeah, someone heckling or something like that. <laughs> Defended their honour, like lapping the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Funny old game, isn't it? For anyone that's listening out after these great stories what advice would you have to give if they're an amateur comic or an amateur clown that's listening in right now what would you what would you say to who's listening right now and how do they find out about you well it's a very important question that final one um well for starters i would say be true to yourself be in it for the long run uh don't like do it for the right reasons don't try and get fame and fortune out of it that's quite often just a, a an odd little um sideline that you go down you know just just sort of do it for the joy of doing it to put something different on the stage and something new don't don't um yeah don't don't just try and be like a comic that you've already seen you know i mean I, look actually that's unfair because that's how a lot of us start but 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 go with the intention of of finding something new even if that's your crutch even if that's like even if you go oh i love this guy and you sort of your influences are laid out there on the stage try and get away from that especially if people are sort of telling you that i think just try and find your own path which i know we all try and do it is easier said than done but just say do what you find interesting what do you want to see on that stage what do you want to see put on there um and learn from the this is all very obvious advice probably tons of other people have said but it's learn from the tough ones they're they're, they're the ones that you learn from don't don't go you you, you're perfectly you know welcome to go back with your tail between your legs and uh, but also use that to to get better and learn and think about what 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 you could have done uh and i'd say also never throw a gig like there's there's a lot of um times where i've someone's been in the audience and even what I've thought has been a shitty gig, I've, I've powered through and I've done it and I've given the best that I could and I've got stuff off the back of it. And, you know, and people have, have have been in the audience and gone either something small, like, do you want to come and play my open mic gig as well? Or, you know, or, or just here you go. Like, do you want to, I mean, there was, I got a book deal out of one. I got a book deal out of a gig where I thought I'd not had a great gig and someone was in the crowd and I, and yeah, <laughs> isn't that nuts? <laughs> so never never throw a gig um and where can you find me there we go let's 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 cut to that vital question uh I, I just usuals the usual social media um uh, marcel uh marcel Lucon or alexis dubas i'm out there on instagram facebook twitter tiktok all of that you can see my stuff on there and uh and I, i'm quite good at updating my diary as well online so if you if you if you want to see where i'm playing um alexisdubas.com or marcellucon.com that's uh i off i update my gigs as often as i can on that so yeah right so you know where to go i hope you've enjoyed it make sure you give the episode of view a five-star view on amazon or itunes i'll be probably publishing this episode this week I hope you guys enjoyed it and I'll see you next episode and I think in the next episode I'm going to be talking to Tom Little at around 2.30 today and I'll upload it next week. Oh look at that, fitting him in. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) hope you guys enjoyed it.